Yo, Joburg, welcome to episode 297, where G.I. Joburg is going to talk about some comic books, a stone-cold classic called Codename Sea Strike, issue number eight. But not only that, we're going to talk about a modern, modern comic too, issue 286, which is a spotlight issue on Storm Shadow, and actually rather good but my name is steven and i'm joined by the usual suspects it's paul hello everybody <laughs> hey book and robert welcome to the seas my brothers welcome to the seas sea strike is coming for you i'm out of focus <laughs> 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 for those of you listening along, Rob is playing with his Zanzibar figure. How very yeah. Hell yeah. Very fit and very fit and welcome to the Sea Strikes. Here's my landlubber friends tonight. <laughs> this morning, I'm okay. Um, if you are watching the video presentation, I really need a haircut. Um, yeah, I think this is my one public appearance, like, ever. I mean, like, this is all I do, stream. So every two weeks, I get a stern reminder, like, what? That's what you well, look like? Add a Ooh. couple of green streaks, and you can look like Thrasher if you like. Yeah. It's quite a buffant he's got, hey? Yeah, you got to work on that, dude. Work on it. Get he it might working. be looking like he's, you know, wearing the undergarments of a professional footballer, but, like... That hair is, like, it. amazing. It's it's John Travolta in Greece. <laughs> yeah. With the wow. green streak. Grease lightning. <laughs> <laughs> My parents didn't love me. That's why I left them for the swamp. <laughs> Fascinating. Okay. Well, Rob's coming in strong with some dreadnought love today. Paul, how are wow. you doing, bro? I'm wow. good, man. I'm good. I'm just amazing. It's just a week. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome nothing to a like, week. Nothing crazy. It's just been like last time it was Sunday and we did this. And then my friend had a wedding, and then here we are. And it feels like everything just happened in the blink of an eye. Um, it's just, hmm. it is so wild. But I Let's say hello to the chats, guys. Oh, we're alive. Hey, Melissa. Live. There's some people here, What's man. We've got Brick Fiction. We've got Mark van Leeuwen. We've got Bob Squad. We've got Moonlight. We've got yeah. Draws, Anything Joes, Terry, Emmanuel, Dubuya. Wow, guys. Hello, Melissa. Oh, and Ooh, on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, yeah. No, Melissa's this a friend is... of mine. No, she's yeah, cool. she's, Facebook she's actually you... works now. Isn't that well, amazing? It used to be engaged. unknown user. Hello. Hi, unknown works. user. No, you still <laughs> need to give Facebook permission to use your username. Oh, sorry. Every single mode. time. No, you can do it once, and I think it then remembers you. you and then it remembers. Signed uh... off on it. So I'm going to guess Melissa is a friend from your Gundam live streams no, 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 no. friend of mine just friend of a mine. real friend <laughs> wow I have, real, I have real friends I so it's just me and scum. me and steve <laughs> <laughs> but paul you mentioned you took a trip to the big screen what hey, did you see yeah. buddy i went to what go did watch, you look at i went to go watch last tortugas ninja <laughs> whoa yeah. pardon? Ninja last tortugas ninjas <laughs> so yeah, Mutant did, Mayhem. This was that... an awesome movie. My God, I enjoyed the Ninja Turtles. I mean, yes, I'm a fanboy, so of course I'm going to go in and... I'm, as a fanboy, you're going to go into this thing either loving it or hating it. I went in 
excited for it. I came out loving it. It was a great little film. Uh, lots of laughs, lots of good moments to see that. I've even brought Raphael with to watch. And there was a cool little story that went with this. So Celia and I went to go watch this movie on the public holiday, uh, Women's Day, actually. And so we decided we're going to catch the earliest show, which was like the 10 a.m. show. And so, you know, pre-booked the tickets and whatever is. And no, I haven't seen Barbie yet, Melissa. Not yet. I want to. Um, but anyway, so we go in and I'm at the concession stand. And I'm waiting to get my like popcorn and stuff. And there's a dad and his son and his son's got a Raphael figure in his hands. And I'm like, oh my word, you also brought your Raphael to the to the movie. So I pulled up mine and he's like, ah, and then we had like a cool little bonding moment. So that was fun. And yeah, I think there's a whole five of us in the cinema because it was nice and early. And it was great. I really, really dug it. Like the thing, um, just some like high points. So if you're a Turtles fan, um, they pay a lot of, they put a lot of Easter eggs in this film for you to like pick up on. So you'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, I know that reference and I know this reference and you're going to smile and whatever. Um, and if you're somebody who enjoyed like Into the Spider-Verse, for example, you'll definitely enjoy this film. But if you're somebody that wanted to enjoy the Into the Spider-Verse, but didn't like the timing of the animation, that kind of kind of timing that they have, yes, that's a technical term. Uh, Turtles doesn't have that. Turtles animation is actually very fluid, uh, which I really appreciated because I can't stand, I don't like Into the Spider-Verse's animation so much. Like I found it kind of a little bit painful to watch. The lower frame rate, making it uh -oh. almost stop motion-y. Yeah, it gives right. me a bit So I didn't dig that, but, but Turtles doesn't have that. So that's fine. And then also like for Celia, who's a non- Turtles fan. I wouldn't say she's not, not a Turtles fan, but I mean, she's not like a fan of Turtles or comics or anything like that. She thoroughly enjoyed it. She loved the jokes. She liked the, the music. Oh my God. And the score in that film is amazing. It's done by mm. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. So amazing. Very, oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah. Very From well scored. Social Money network mm. <laughs> <Busted>. <laughs> I knew he was going to go there. Never mind like Watchmen or anything like that. You know? Yeah. Um, go with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah. Yes, that too, actually. But yeah. So, yeah. so uh, yeah. I, did I read correctly, WJ? We're streaming live to your bathroom right now. Is that correct? Yes. Is that correct? Nice. Nice. You can watch us anyway. You can listen to us anyway, too. Nice. And I agree Especially with, in the uh, tub. What, you don't listen to podcasts in the tub, Rob? Come on, buddy. Oh, he's gone. Ah, <laughs> the power has just cut out in Cape Town. So Rob will be rejoining us momentarily when he's yeah. on a battery source. Um, well, no, actually, it's probably the Wi-Fi that's had a little interruption as it switches over. <laughs> there I did not want to answer that question, so that's why I clearly, just quickly. Clearly, there's one. There's one thing I got to mention about like the total storm that I really. I mean, aside from the awesome score and the design of the characters and the voice, all the good stuff. Voice, all the good stuff. There's a lot of great stuff. In fact, I actually don't have a bad thing to say about this film. But Word. this is a little bit on spoiler territory. Now, to be fair, the film's been out for a week. I'm not going to spoil story or plot elements. But there's a moment when when you meet Rocksteady and Bebop. And they kind of like open the car door and they walk outside and they've got like a uh, Bebop's got a boombox. And the way that I Hell move, yeah. I love it. It's just so cool. Like that whole scene is just super, super cool. It's just, it's funny. You'll see what I mean when you. They're just so rad that I like, come and walk in and they're like, 
got their little beats and they got their little movement and it's it's very much a a nice nod to like sort of 70s movies classics. why did you ruin the movie i didn't know they were I, in it ah. oh my word <laughs> um, but yeah very cool film totally go and check it out guys if you haven't if you're not a turtles fan you'll probably enjoy it if you are a turtles fan i hope that you enjoy it because it's just great to have more turtle stuff and it's just cool that for the most part most turtle stuff has mostly been great even the michael bay stuff is not i wouldn't say it's bad it's just not great but most turtle stuff is awesome so this is a no. Thing. You can say it's bad. <laughs> I no, gonna, no one's gonna you know hate that opinion. My issues with Michael Bay's turtle films is not so much the character design because I love the way they designed the turtles. I like them being like roided up monsterish and monstrous. Kind of yeah, things. I'm a ninja. My, my issue with it is is that um, <laughs> as a fanboy, I've watched lots of like podcasts here and there and interviews with the cast and and whatever's that worked on that film and they were treated really badly um like the whole cast the whole operation it was run oh, really the, badly as a film the motion capture guys not just yeah that as well um i heard the horror stories that like they were pushing late one day and mm. once they wrapped for the day everyone left the set and they were standing there they were still in their full mocap gear like oh no, one, no. You know, no one took it off. Yeah, they just treated people like Cheers. shit, man. Like down that, tools, that, off we go. Yeah, that's what really puts me. We off. are union um, time here. Union time. Yo, we gotta cluck yeah, out. That We're walking you. Annoyed me because that's kind of been an unfortunate sort of curse on all of the Turtles films because they've and always the one had guy, how they treat people. The one mocap yeah. guy went on to be the Jack Reacher from the TV yes. series. You know the big and dude? also yeah. And also oh, in Lord. that um, that horrible Titan series, he's also a character. Um, it's uh, what's it? Something in Dove. Can't remember. Hawk and Dove. Hawk and Dove. Hawk and Dove. Hawk. He's Hawk. Yeah. yeah. In Hawk and Dove. Oh, Dove he is. is. That's like literally the only reason to watch the Titans. By the way, I would watch a supercut of that series that was just Dove. Honestly, I bet you would. I would. I can say that without any shame. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you done messed up. No, that's true. Um, and I have not seen the second one because the first one stunk so bad, but I believe it's better. I mean, it does have the kind of the, the classic uh, elements like the Technodrome and Krang. You know, all those sort of things will make you kind of cheer and loudly in your seat. But I, uh, into the, is it Out of the Shadows? Whatever. The first no. Michael Bay turtle film, I did not like. So really? I was like... Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna skip it I now. Like I can't be toys. <laughs> I like the Good toys of toys. the second one because the first one I I didn't feel the toys really for the first one, but the second one's toys were much cooler. Um, speaking of, have you guys been watching anything cool? Have you guys seen anything good this week? This like, the last two weeks, watched any good movies? Watched any good TV series? That's I, a loaded question. Uh, uh, okay, so uh, what I no no I I watched some good stuff. So I watched I've been I've. I didn't get to watch it when it came out originally, like not properly, but I've been watching Dexter um, and oh, I'm near nice. the end of the second season now. And it's really good. It's actually a fantastic show. Um, I've been told I'm basically halfway through the good seasons now. I believe uh, the good stuff kind of ends after season four. And after that, you shouldn't really be bothered with it. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch all the good stuff and probably just skip the last three seasons. Um, so I watched that, and I watched a really good new movie on Amazon Prime called Hypnotic by... Uh, I'm going to check that. 
Robert Rodriguez. It's really good. It's fantastic. And it's short. It's a modern movie that's an hour and a half. Oh, my God. Say it in so. It's it, it's <laughs> insane. It, it feels like a classic film. Like, I don't have to, like, you know, give aside, like, two two hours to a movie and be, like, you know, disappointed by the end. It was, it's really fantastic. Um, really good performances from uh, Ben Affleck and everyone involved. I watched another movie, uh, Heart of Stone. That's also new mm-hmm. one on Netflix. I would, I would, I would say, don't watch that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't watch Heart of Stone. That's with um, with Gal Gadot, Gadot. right? Mm. Yes, uh, she's fantastic <laughs> in it. I mean, like she's so, f- she does amazing stunts in it. It's just the story itself isn't really that gripping, and it kind of like you keep think. I mean, I kept thinking as I was going through, why, why is he doing this? Why is that happening? Why didn't he do this thing? You know, like. So, yeah, watch it if you like, but um, she is way too hot. <laughs> Rob, may I just say that your new glasses frames are awesome? Sure, hello, thank you. Yeah, they, hello, hello. They really <laughs> your face. No, they yeah, well, really... I just, yeah, I apparently the, 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 the classic style, at least the style that I'm used to, which is much thinner glasses, um, is just not in anymore. So this is, this is the, the style these days. So fortunately, the lady at the optometrist was like, "Oh, these look good in you." And I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna have to take you. You know, I have to trust you." You can't trust those fuckers, man. No, well, no, for sure. I mean, she was initially looking at you know, like, "Yeah, this is the most expensive glasses we have." But you know, you know, I kept saying, "Nah, not these ones. No, not these ones." So I think eventually she did kind of like her opinion. She actually was giving me an honest opinion. Like, this is actually actually looks pretty good on you. So yeah, thanks so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I, I look pretty good. I have Jacob been approved. Yeah, um, sucked into a bit of a um, what's it Handmaid's Tale marathon. I've been sort of oh. watching that in between work. Oh, interesting. Here I thought because you were I going with controversy, and I was like, "Oh, Paul's going to be sucked into some kind of controversy." This is no, exciting. No, I wish. Oh. no, no, actually, I don't wish. I don't need drama. Because um, <laughs> I started the series pre pre pandemic, and then the pandemic happened, and I kind of felt. I don't know if I really want to watch like dystopian sci-fi right now while the world's going to shit. I want to play with toys. And um, yeah, man, it's a really, really good series. Like, I really dig it. Like, it's, it's great. Okay, thanks, Paul. Uh, cool unless you've got a point go to out. make about Handmaid's Tale, I'm cutting you off, bro, because this, sure. this ramble has gone on long enough. We need to talk it's about just that, like, <laughs> I'm, missing, I'm missing good sci-fi stuff. Um, and uh, so, yeah, there's nothing much I, good coming out. I mean, Hypnotic was pretty good, actually. It's a good sign. And I'm so. happy to hear that because I did see it pop up and I was like, hmm, I should get that a look. I also watched Shin Masked uh, Rider, well, Shin Common Rider. That has cool. toys. It does. Mm. I got the kit. I got the model kit. It's very nice. I did Hell a yeah. live stream of it on the Gunplay Say thing. Um, Damn, son. That is a very fun movie. Like, if you guys like anything Super Sentai, I think you will thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it because. Uh, it's just Super Sentai on steroids, but without being too... I find the Super Sentai stuff got a little bit too... What's the word? Um, K-pop music video. And wow. so this keeps it very dark, and it keeps it... It kind of still looks like it could be on wires, even though it's not, but it's got that feel to it. And uh, Hideki um, Anno, the director, he's the guy who created Evangelion, um, he's got a very specific look to his films. So he's done Shin Godzilla, Shin Ultraman, and now Shin Kamen Rider. And yeah, Crazy. guys, you should check it out. Um, Shin, uh, Shin Kamen Rider is on Amazon. So 
Hell yeah. Worth checking out. It's really good. Steven, any any toy related uh, things you saw this week? Uh, funny you should ask that leading question. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> yeah, um, I made a new friend. His name's Michael. He lives not too far away from where I am. And we yeah, had drink cats and a yard. <laughs> <laughs> we had drinks the other night and at the end of the night he produces a packet with a box in it and says steve i had an extra lying around have it it's yours i'm like oh, dude oh you really shouldn't but if you <laughs> might, glad you did um, it, it is the core sky strike and we did a review on it this week past um lovely lovely plane it looks like a mishmash of historical aircraft with the, the majority of it is taken from the the p51 mustang which is probably the most classic most epic legendary piston aircraft ever produced and then it takes uh, swept wings and the intake from an f86 saber d and then i think i'm gonna say that the exhausts the jet exhausts were mostly inspired by the f4 phantom so this thing is just all over the map but it is beautiful and really like a showcase piece it's of what the core is capable of when they're really switched on in their design um the rondel also looks a lot like so the sandf rondel from the the, the, the yeah the, the the markings it's a mm. sort of a pentagram mm. So it's like the, with the star inside it. So uh, the South African Armed Forces had a similar um, logo on their, on their sabers, on their F-86s. So yeah, it's, it's got all sorts of resonances for us. Um, it's beautiful and very surprisingly not widely available. I've gotten a lot of comments, particularly from, from uh, viewers from the United States, in fact, who are like, they just do not see the core. And that leads me, leads me to believe, because Lenard is based in New York State. Like, they are in New York. Um, so it leads me to think that maybe Hasbro buys out the shelf space to such a point that it strangles out any other scale military toy lines. Which is ironic, because Hasbro just isn't catering in this, um, this scale and this style anymore. Like they're not mm. doing vehicles and they're not doing 118 or four inch. So there is conceptually space for the core, but you know, Hasbro don't like competition perhaps. So that's no, just a theory. Really? I, I'm, I'm basing they, this on absolutely nothing. Why would they want competition? That's weird. <laughs> um, can I just comment like something <laughs> on that video of yours, dude? And it's a really cool mm. thing. Like it's a compliment. So the way you shoot that plane and it's the way you shoot all your planes. Uh, I love how you always keep the camera moving. So it always feels like you're trying to catch the plane. Like, as if <laughs> you're, I, you know what I mean? I don't have a tripod, Paul. <laughs> no, no, but what I'm, yeah, but, but like, hear me out. It, it looks like you're trying to catch the plane as in, you, it, it looks like it's moving. So when the camera moves with it the way, even though the scale is out and whatever is you in the park or whatever, it looks like you're like, oh, I'm like running next to this plane so I can get some good footage of it. It's really awesome. It, I, Really dig that. Hell yeah. I, I caught I, when I was watching the, the review when you posted it earlier this week. Was it this week? Shit, when you posted it earlier. <laughs> I think I was it, was it, it, last, uh, it was last weekend. So if you yeah. count that as last week, you say, yeah. It was cool, man. That was like what caught my eye. I was like, damn, that's the magic. That's what you do if you want to shoot planes well. 
So I oh, yeah. from the video. Yeah, so anyway, I tried to throw that in there. So Lanard are the real international heroes then? You can't get them in the States, but you can get them anywhere else? Yeah, bizarrely. And I'm reminded that, uh, well, I, I I had a kind of spotlight thrown onto this plane by our good buddy MCDJ ACDC. So I sort of phoned him up and said, hey, buddy, that plane that you were telling me about, I finally got one. And he's like, well, that's funny because you guys are the reason I bought mine to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> We did a podcast episode called Hardcore about the core. And mm -hmm. at the sort of towards the end of it, I th sort of I started mentioning toys from recent years and the Sky Strike came up. Um, mm. And now, now I got it. I got it. Hey, it took a couple of years, but now it's yours. And let's not let it overshadow the fact that I've got a good new friend in Brisbane as well. It's, it's wonderful to have Joe bros nearby because my classic Joe bros, you two fellas are, uh, out of reach. Weird. Can't, uh, ocean away. You can buy Biltong. Hmm. <laughs> oh, I can, I can buy Biltong, bro. Trust me. There is a sure unquenchable desire for, for South African treats. I'm yeah, sure there is. I'm sure under. everybody wants their Omar Rusks. But another theory that I'm working on, you know, Oros, the orange crush, mm. classic yeah, South African. Of course, we drink. know what Oros is. Well, mm. you can buy the two liter version um, for the Nachi flavor, but not the classic orange flavor. You can only buy it in the, the one liter bottles. And I think they know where their bread is buttered. And the import guys are like, no, 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 no. We're going to slow down the consumption and increase the sort of price per unit and sell them one liters because we know these ones are going to sell better than anything else Smart. like sure get the, get the two liter nachi no one likes that but and nachi is a is a um clementine or is it a mandarin mandolin probably sounds yeah. that sounds I right i like the two international viewers oh no <laughs> i love it man well, more for you, Paul. More for you. If I was in Australia, I'd be like, yeah, I'll take your orange flavor and shove it up your hole. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I'm, I'm, they got me by the balls because I'm buying it a liter at a time when I really should be buying it in, in greater bulk. Or you should just um, really oh. develop a taste of the Nazi flavor. <laughs> <laughs> That's the smart play. There Not is some a... interesting information and speculation on Lenard in the chats that I'd like to highlight. I see so. Robert H says that Lenard is owned by Walmart from what he's heard. And that said, he never sees the core there either. So mm. weird because these are like clogging the action figure aisles in sort of Australian toy shops. It's like mm. a bunch of stuff that pay. no one really wants, but it's there in bulk. Oh yeah, you see them at Pick and Pay. Pick and Pay for anyone wondering is a supermarket chain in South Africa. Mm -hmm. So that's how prolific they are. And then um, the figure six pack says that Lenard Toys in the US has an office in Oxnard, California. Oxnard. You sure? I, I mean, the boxes, the boxes, if I'm not mistaken, Oxnard. list, list Oxnard. New York. Lenard. Maybe they're lying to you, Stephen. They just want to Where seem like they're from New York. But I wouldn't be surprised if they have offices on both coasts. That, that, that makes sense. Like in... Yeah. Oh, huh. That's funny. They wouldn't have one in Rhode Island. It's a oh, part. My Sky Strike uh, lists New York as its place of manufacture, but I've bought some other ones, some figures, 
to go with it. Um, they were going way cheap, like seven dollars nice, a pack. Actually. Three packs for seven bucks, amazing. Um, Lenard.com, Lenard UK, uh, is in London, and that's the distributors of this. And Lenard mm. Hong Kong, gosh, okay, so they're everywhere. They're for the little guys, they're the big boys as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. I dig the articulation on those core figures, they're quite great. The, the figure that came with your plane, I actually bought him as a single carded core figure. Wow, yeah. yes, I don't know what smoke. Yeah, Smoke. Oh, no. He's... Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he came with a dinosaur. Either way, he's great. <laughs> yes, he came with a dinosaur, which makes more sense because he does not look like a pilot. Um, yeah. 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 But he's, I mean, he's fun. Weekend warrior. Paul, have you seen these? They're like mech no. animals. I wish I'd seen that. I would have bought them. Amazing. That's so my jam. Uh, robot Velociraptor. So, robot Velociraptor with like rocket packs on his. Little little forearms. <laughs> I'll, I'll make myself big. You might be able to see a bit better. That's so cool. I want one. Pretty rad. Um, there's that, that. Super rad. There's a cat. Oh shit! You know what that reminds me of? You know the cat that came with the Catwoman figure in the Batman. Yes, that yes. she could wear. Sort so of Batman Legends Kenner line. Yeah, yeah similar cool. to that, but uh, it scales better with the cool. figures but that minigun is is cool. rad it's got a you know removable ammo belt that's always that fun so to nice. see um and then lastly i'm actually showing them in the re- reverse order because this is like the, the weakest of the three but there's this mecha wolf mecha wolf yeah Mom, romulus and remus well in an alternate reality snake eyes version you could use this instead of timber like this is yeah, you suppose you could. Badass. It's got timber downloaded into it. <laughs> well, at least uh, like a mecha animal. I mean, I'm not saying Timber's not an impressive canine, but like oh, yeah, he's pretty he's... cool, but he's not a robot. Uh, yeah, a robot you can kind of predict a bit better than a an actual wild animal. Wild. But yeah, animal. man, the core's up to some interesting stuff, like repackaging. Of, I love of... that shit. Of uh, of old figures, but with new spins. Like this is a removable shoulder. And so their game, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very. very um, what's that? That Tom Cruise film. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge, Edge of tomorrow. tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Ha, I know something. Hey. But the systems are on ball joints. For anyone listening to this, it's a core figure, standard core figure, with a backpack that goes over his shoulders, giving him um, what looks like a kind of a laser weapon or maybe a multi-barreled machine gun and like a rocket pod very cool oh and check out the uh the lighting's not great but he's got white um sort of war paint on his face yeah on his face that's not rock and roll well it's kind of like the current classified um tiger force flint i don't know if you've seen that with the black stripe across his eyes i like that (laughs) Last of the Mohicans. Um, I do not. <laughs> I think it's not in, not in character for Flint at all. Yeah, but, that's what uh, I thought when I first saw it as well. I was like, mm, well, it's not it's very okay, Flintish. Be able to buy it anyway. So. <laughs> well, okay, well, thank goodness. No, it's okay. I mean, I've got Flint already. He's good enough. If they did that to um, Spirit, if they did like a Tiger Force Spirit or something like that, and they gave him that kind of fade, 
Talk about so Falcons, so they can just paint over that ugly face. Dude, there are guys selling Tiger Force. Um, I think it's uh, what's that company now? Um, they did Roman Toys. They did a they showed off a head sculpt, the replacement head sculpt for Falcon. Uh, I saw that, but people life. also have problems with that thing too. They're like his forward is still too big. <laughs> I have less problems with that than I have with Team America Falcon. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, trying not to just be so there. just so that I don't have to double back about this stuff. I'm just gonna tell you my, my highlights hey. from these core three packs. Hell yeah! This dude is called Mirage. I like and that your actually... friend Alan Grant has good taste in cars. Carry on, Stephen. Sorry. <laughs> Amazing taste in cars. You should ask him to take you for a spin sometime. Hell, he should take me for a spin sometime. Bloody hell! Anyways, this cool guy has weapon storage. Has this kind of glaive which goes into the back plug. Oh, it's the Disco Ranger. Hey, maybe that's, <laughs> that's Whispering Willy. <laughs> no, man. They call him Mirage, but yeah, I would love if this was Whispering Willy. Anyway, he comes He's with a little, little oh, gun. Look what that gun is. That's like, it reminds me of a phaser, like the like one of the old school phasers from Trek. Okay, but now that I see more detail. Uh, it looks more like the Enterprise phasers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I like that. Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Anytime a budget figure gives you weapon storage, you shut up and take notice. This guy's called Shark. And he's got a removable truncheon. And like a kind of sci-fi looking shotgun, which I think is a better sculpt than we get for for, uh, Classify. This is is badass. It's got kind of a, a top barrel shroud, which looks meaty and chunky. Nice pump, and hopefully not a break action to go with that pump. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Flint. Classified. Flint. Yeah. yeah, it's like pick one. You can't have both. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's enough new shit. We, we guys, we were supposed to talk about comic books. We've talked comic about anything, books. but comic books. About all this other crap, which is great. You, d- crap. you distracted oh, yeah, us by saying let's talk about toys, and I was like, I okay, let's talk about toys. But. That's not a slight on these issues because I, as Obviously we're about to not. find out, they are excellent. Whoa. Um, and Whoa. So it's, it's a mystery Spoiler. to me as to which one you guys would like to speak about first. Will it be the modern? Will it be the vintage? Because mm. both are fertile. Because they both deserve. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Exactly. Oh, yum, 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 yum. Um. You know, let's leave it to Rob. Again, you always leave it to me, by the way. Like, uh, the choice is always mine. I, I love it. Unless, unless I overrule you both and the listeners. Oh, but you see, no matter what I say, Stevens is going to choose the one that he wants to go with. So I'm going to say, let's go with issue eight. Mm, okay, very good. Mr. That's what I wanted no. to do, Rob. <laughs> Issue oh, eight, code name, code name C strike. Now the first thing, the first thing that should jump out to any observant reader is the fact that this is not a Larry Harmer script or yeah. plot. Mm-hmm. It is entirely Herb Trimpey. He had Trimpey absolutely show, nothing to do with this issue. Yeah, Herb Trimpey script. Um, so it's like, oh everything. My God, why is they shooting at us in the Trifford? Paul is remarking on the cover, which depicts a bipedal mech, very fantastical, almost 
Jack Kirby slash War of the Worlds um, design, uh, which is shooting down at Stalker in the jump jetpack and Scarlet riding atop a very foreshortened vamp. (laughs) (laughs) Squished that vamp to try and get the driver's seat into the panel. But... uh, yeah, it's fun, man. It's clearly a Cobra vehicle because it's got Cobra sigils. But like, like Paul says, it looks like it's, it looks like it's uh, um, Snake Eyes piloting it. Yeah, Just there the are a lot people... of original Cobra vehicles in this issue. There's a, oh yes, her Herb really wanted to get a design made into a toy. I think from this issue, he was like, "Hey guys, Hasbro, look at these things. Do you want to make a toy of one of these things?" <laughs> well, he was filling the gap. Cobra had zero vehicles in 1982. And mm-hmm. this issue is coming out right then. I mean, when is it? The, the end of the, the year? Oh, no, it's February 1983. So we're into the next year. But clearly the toys, the next wave of toys had not been announced yet because we don't see any fangs or snake armors or anything in this this issue. I mean, they well could have been scoped to put those vehicles in, but instead we've got sea strikes, uh, not sea strikes, sea legs, amphibious uh, artillery, and then this fascinating thing is a submersible with like a catamaran mm. double hull with a seaplane mounted on the back. And we learn that this is not only a boat, it's submersible, it's a submarine too. It is called mm-hmm. a. Is there any precedence for this in real life? A surface craft that goes underwater. Well, the, it with actually a plane looks attached like. To it. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe not with that's, the plane. Yeah, that's kind of what was a little bit of, you know, that's what Pl- kind of. But Plenty yeah. of 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 uh, smaller boats had planes that they could deploy, like seaplanes that had a catapult hmm. system towards the back. Typically, the plane would be facing the other way, though, so you'd shoot it off the back. And then it would land on the water for recovery, and they'd use a crane to hook it and put it back into its place. So that's all there. That's great. Yeah, we've got the crane. Yeah, it has all those details. It is facing the the wrong direction. Yeah, it is facing the wrong direction. But I mean, artistically, this looks correct. Um, Yeah, it looks awesome. The SRV 9 submersible reconnaissance vehicle. Let's, Rob, you can uh, carry on chatting, buddy. Won't you tell us what happens in this issue? So what happens is, is in this issue is that Cobra Commander is very capable. He's set up an entire, he's in the process of setting up an entire network of undersea bases, which from which he believes he's going to be able to take over the entire world. And G.I. Joe realized that something like this is going to happen. Um, so they're in the process of launching a satellite that is going to be able to detect where these sea bases are so, and take them out take out Cobra sea bases. So now it's a race between Cobra destroying the satellite before it takes off and G.I. Joe uh, protecting the satellite as you know before you know so they can get into space. And yeah, a crazy big battle con- ensues from there. On land, crazy. sea and air and yeah. space. Insane. Actually yes. not air but but space. Yeah. My takeaway from this most recent reread is my takeaway almost every time I read issue eight, because it is an absolute stone cold classic that you just need to keep coming back to it. But this time around, I'm like, this is insane how much stuff is crammed into 22 pages of comic book. Just when you think think it's done, 
and the bad guys are packing up and going home. Like the kind of the usual end point of any story, Trimpy delivers another action set piece and another and another and another. And so it keeps building to this crescendo. Like it's just out of control action, man. And that's impressive because the, the setup also occupies a, a fair chunk of the issue. Like we're looking at page 10 now, but mm. we've had nine pages of build up to this point. We've had a briefing for the Joes. We sort of had an opening scene for the Cobras, an opening scene for the oh. Joes, a briefing for the Cobras, a briefing for the Joes. And now, finally, page 10, bam, the sea legs are emerging from the water. We've got some amphibious looking shapes they're on the, the horizon line yeah very much <laughs> absolutely they're the triffids um paul tell me some some mm. some highs from this issue man what were your takeaways Ooh, yeah okay so i want if you can can you get through to the earlier pages quickly for me please but of course uh, oh my most notably goodness. when cobra commander is using the spy glasses Ooh, um, i love filmic. this is so cinematic and once again that's very hope trimpy um, but I love this like whole scene. It's very dark. It's very foreboding. You you know you got this multi-angle shot. And you then feel the we... weather. Yeah, mm. it's, it's rain-soaked. Every... It's heavy. It's it's like heavy on you. So I really dig that. And as you pan down the page, um, which I'm hoping Stephen will do, <laughs> <laughs> you get that. And you know you know the reveal is there. That's what they're going for. And then you think, okay, cool, they, um, they're going to nail it, and then they get spotted, and then they go underneath the water again. And then uh, a big moment for me was also the next page, which is this very strange-looking, like, sea base. Oh, hang on. Just an interesting continuity. Well, it's probably not a continuity issue because maybe they were launching something different that day. Mm. But there's a plot point made about them needing to move the entire launch vehicle um, across from the gantry to the event so the, from the hangar the to the pad. gantry yeah so the launch pad cool. and it, it moves at one mile per hour and it takes basically six hours to cover the distance but as cobra commander is looking at the launch pad now there is a space shuttle on it so i guess <laughs> it was yeah, it was a different launch that day but um yeah it's interesting that archival footage <laughs> there you and go then... This shot here in the snow, sorry, just one thing I have to remark on. I think it's pretty badass. So you got all the Joes like kind of going on about why they have to be in cold weather and stuff. And I'm so glad Bart is in the chats because this kind of reminds me of something he told me about, like they'll make you train in cold weather and then send you somewhere hot. Um, mm -hmm. And there's this kind of joke in this series, um, in this issue about that, that I feel like kind of pays off. But just mm -hmm. to make, just to remind you, that hawk is an absolute badass, and it's on the next page, I believe. Um, <laughs> yes. He has not got long sleeves. He's there in the suck, and he's got short sleeves. It's great. Well, the the then pull out and reveal is the fact that they're not in the snowbound tundra at all, but they're really just in an enclosed environment that has snow blowers. It's a nice Which little clue that they're not yeah. actually outside. It's like he just stepped onto the, you know, onto the field from like the sidelines, essentially from the gantries. He was like, tuk, 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 tuk. guys, I've got something for you to do. So, Billy mm -hmm. so and um, I also dig the, there's a nice little reference in the pre, uh, this is not a highlight. I just thought this was a fun little thing. I don't know if you guys um, bothered to Google this or whatever, but in the, um, there's a sire ward 
So they talk about the yeah, Y Young Booker. Award. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Cy, the Cy Young Award. There we go. And so that was, I was like, what's that about? So I, t- I looked it up and I was like, oh, okay, it's an award for like best pitcher in baseball. Uh, I mean, that's like, I'm summing it up like quickly. That's, but I thought that was quite a nice little thing. Like, I learned something and that was obviously very culturally ap- appropriate. And then it, this whole page, uh, once again, Herb Trumpy just being amazing with his cinematic sort of storytelling, the one, two, three uh, panels. But it immediately took me back to the 80s. And I was like, damn, if I was a like a slightly older kid in the 80s, I'd also be like into, you know, sports and stuff like that and army guys and whatever. So I like that moment. It kind of took me back in time. But yeah, anything for you guys? What what jumped at is, uh, for you guys? Well, Paul, if, if you think Hawk uh, having short sleeves was impressive, uh, figure six, figure six back points out that Gung Ho was known to go on snow missions with his bare-chested vest. So not oh, we that impressive there anymore, our, is We haven't it? gotten there in our reread just yet. <laughs> Have we? But, it's in the cartoons, I'm sure. <laughs> um, no, well, no, actually, the Sunbook, the, the Sunbook Oh, wait, they did well, dress them up, yeah. Sometimes. Apart from Quick Kick. Quick Kick was bare torso and barefoot in the snow, but... His story was that he'd been abandoned by a film crew. So there's the explanation. But with the rest of the Joes, yeah, the, the Sunbro animation team actually did have cold weather looks. Um, so, yeah, that is specifically a reference to issue number 11, which is Gung Ho's introduction. But yes, um, Darren says that the French built a submarine that had a plane that launched from it. That's so, pretty cool. Darren also points out that uh, it's also a nice touch that Hawk has shown twice with steam coming out of his mouth to show it is cold and he just doesn't care. That's a nice attention to detail on Herb Trumpy's part. Hawk is badass, man. He doesn't take any cut from anybody. One might say that Herb Trumpy is pretty good at his job, too. (laughs) (laughs) This is a a wonderful book. I'm trying to think of strikes against it, to be honest, and I'm coming up blank, guys. I've only got one strike against this book. Oh, it's not long enough. And it's not it's not Herb Trumpy's fault. It's not the writer's fault. It's the letterer's fault. Oh, oh. this letterer in this book. I don't know if you guys had trouble with this, but uh, there's a lot of bubbles in that in this book that don't flow nicely when you read them. And maybe I'm just being a bit of a typography nerd now. I don't mind stuff being squished together because sometimes that just happens in printing. There's but, a lot of script though, Paul. Look at that. No, there Come is, but there's tons of widow words. And there's tons of like orphaned lines as well, where like words are broken up in half and they didn't have to be. Um, and mm-hmm. that kind of really annoys the shit out of me. So I don't mind like in this shot, for example, and I'm sorry if I'm being anal retentive now, but I don't mind in this shot when it says our first orbital missile, uh, therefore, uh, thereafter <laughs> satellites. I don't mind orbital. that being a little bit like kind of squished in there. That doesn't bug Orbital? Me. Yeah. With two T's. Spelling errors. Oh. It's a very funny book to read because i feel the letterer didn't really do their job properly here mm. um, here's a great panel the world will soon be ours our laser shields are too sophisticated for us to be um, detected by conventional methods and our sea base rides too deep to be at tacked from the surface didn't have to be like that they could have literally if they really wanted to they could have just stacked the surface under attacks from so they could have just gone attack from the surface i understand certain typography rules could have been broken could have made the bubble a bit bigger for five six but that kind of shit annoys me and there's a lot of it in this book and it's very irritating that's literally the only knock i have against it like My if i goodness. have to be like petty and find stuff because 
it's a great book. The angles are beautiful. The art is beautiful. There's always movement in the panels. There's this, there's this, this darkness to Herb Trumpy stuff that I really appreciate. He does paint Cobra, early Cobra at least, as this fanatical band of zealots who will go down with the ship. Yeah. Spoiler alert, when G.I. Joe win the day and they scuttle this sea base, well, Cobra Commander scuttles it by hitting the self-destruct. By and... the way, you have five minutes uh, until it blows up. Uh, I'll give you five minutes. Uh, I'm real evil. You got five so minutes. The Joes offer a life raft to the defeated blue shirts, and they're like, no, we failed. We are prepared to accept our fate of, like, death at sea, which is hardcore. I mean, Cobra in later, well, as they refine the Cobra ranks, they become more mercenary, more like, eh, whatever. I mean, we're just here to punch the clock and, and, and make a, a tidy salary. Um, they don't really necessarily have this kind of true believer, um, almost uh, suicide bomber mentality of like just being a, a brick in the wall of this machine called Cobra. Um, so yeah, this this is kind of, and I like it. It's 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 fun. It's it's very Bond villain because all of those guys were prepared to lay down their lives for Spectre. And, mm -hmm. um, well, it was certainly carried one. across to to Action Force. With um, you know, with the Red Baron and and his <laughs> troops, they're exceptionally Red Baron, uh, Baron Iron Blood, Baron Iron Blood, whatever. Uh, you know, with his Baron him and his troops. I mean, that it's it's cool that they, that the basis of 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 their version of the bad guys in those comic books was the earlier version of Cobra. I mean, it makes them mm -hmm. more formidable, I think, and more scary as an organization. Uh, yeah, I think everything in this book is is, is really is quite fantastic. I like all the little designs that he come comes up with. Um, Probably the weakest ones are, as Bart calls them, the Cobra Chicken Walkers. Um, <laughs> Discount. They are, a, they are a little too out there. I mean, I think the, the amphibious vehicles are kind of cool. Um, and, and I especially do like the SRV-9. I think it's it's a cool concept. And that that's probably the most real-world-looking of his um, designs mm. in this issue. And he really Please. loves silver. Like, everything he designs, I'm he just so, loves like putting like a silver sheen on it. Well, it's probably a visual signifier to make you know who the good guys are and the bad guys are. Like, yeah. G.I. Joe's O.D. Green and Cobra is these kind of science fiction foil <laughs> craft. Mm. You know, they all look like they're covered in aluminum foil or aluminum, if you will. Also, I've got a question for you guys. Who's Ranger? Oh, Ranger. Yes, that's a confusion that's... that's happened previously. Sometimes Stalker is referred to as Ranger because guess what? In original file cards, the specialty got top billing in like big bold font, and the code name was underneath smaller font. So, oh, that's that a too. good explanation. That mm. I thought that too, but in the same conversation, and I would love to get to that panel in the briefing. Um, mm. where... It's not in the briefing this time. Ranger it's... is name dropped in the action. But they do yes. name drop Stalker as Stalker in the briefing so this time. Go, yeah, so if you go, I think it's a little, I, I could be wrong. Is it a little bit up here? If you go, if you pan up on this page? Um, <laughs> Clutch and Ranger. No. Oh. Yeah. No panning. Yeah. So, well, at least he's stuck to it, you know. He's stuck to his guns. He calls him Ranger throughout the issue. <laughs> Except when he doesn't. He, but then they call him no. Stalker will be in command in of very, the ring. Yeah, in the very next panel. Okay. Well, so Stalker is the same guy in two different places. That's very cool. 
Ghost Stalker. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. That's amazing. Look, here's my no prize, Paul, that yeah. Stalker knows who he's being referred to because he's actually the only ranger on ranger. the team. That made it, that's, <laughs> how I, that's how I took so it. But I just figured it's, it's interchangeable and Hawk couldn't be asked. Like sometimes he'll call you Stalker. Sometimes he'll call you Ranger. Sometimes he'll call you Lonzo or Wilkinson. See, that's how Lonzo Wilkinson E5. <laughs> but what kind of podcast would we be? If, if we, we just didn't glanced over that, yeah, if we yeah. didn't nitpick it, yeah, damn it. Well, we didn't, we didn't nitpick it in issue number four, Operation Wingfield. But yes, we caught it now. <laughs> well, we I, got got, I only caught it now because of the inconsistency. When he's like, Ranger will be in the vamp, Stalker will be in command of the outer ring, and I'm like, he's in two places he's at in once. Two different places <laughs> at the same time. I don't understand. Well, so, Paul, uh, yeah. Darren Cobb, uh, would like to clear up what attacked is. It is a special type of attack that has a slight pause to confuse the people being attacked. So it's it's actually so a real thing. Tacked on. Not that jokes. And also, um, WJ asks, did did this inspire Destro's Iron Grenadier's chariot, as it was originally a Walker design? What do you guys think? Hmm. I that's new information to me. So, would that be the despoiler? Was it supposed to have legs? I wonder. Mm. That'd be interesting. <laughs> Look, I I wish we could see the sea legs with their legs collapsed, the, mm. in a sort of submersible mode, because you can see little screws. It's got props. It's got fins. It's got all the signifiers of a submersible craft. And even a periscope. Per, a periscope. Got tentacles. I call a it periscope. It looks like it. It looks like a tentacle that comes out of it. Uh, WJ says, "Yeah, the spoiler." Hmm. Ah, cool. Well, that's news inf- news to me. That does, that yeah, I never knew that either. Legs. Um, it looks like something that should be in Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. In fact, I've made something similar to that in Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Wild, Paul. You're so creative. I'm not creative. It's just. Something we have to solve the problem. I just used to something I decided to do. <laughs> Let's call it a bit of attention to the fact that not only does Cobra Commander have a seaplane at his disposal, his helicopter can go stopped rotor, and then the the tail prop swivels to become a <laughs> an undersea propeller, <laughs> and yeah, it becomes a submersible, which is thanks, Bart. Hilarious. Approved. <laughs> <laughs> See? Yeah, no, this is, as I say, nonstop action. Um, on this reread, it became evident to me how close Flash cuts it. Because, yes, we cut to space, and Cobra, in a last ditch effort to stop the, the shuttle, actually fire a missile into the heavens to intercept the shuttle. And mm-hmm. Flash decides he's going to use his, his, uh, his, movement pack his jet pack whatever you would call it there is a proper acronym for it that i'm blanking on um mmu no um anyways he's he's doing a space mm. walk and he decides that he could deflect the missile if he just kind of hugs it and <laughs> fires his pack full blast but you can see very he's smart hurt, he's hurtling the missile into the gap between the space shuttle and its satellite cargo, which it's kind of deployed at that point. And what I hadn't realized up till now is that he flies it in between those two points. 
Ah, in EVA. Pack, which is insane. Really yes, an EVA pack. Extravehicular mm. activity. Thank you, whoever that was. Paul, come on. Bro, that was name drop. Six pack. Thanks, Figure. Name drop. Give us a nerd. I don't want to cut you off. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of don't, back. don't ever cut Steven off. Let him finish. I imagine. Oh, and then there's also MMU from Darren Cobb here. It says MMU manned maneuvering unit. Ah, uh, I think that's oh. what it's going for. Yeah. He probably used a bit of M back movement to try and get it. Now, we don't <laughs> ever have the benefit of, of like a soundtrack to these panels, but I sure wish we did because at this point, after Flash deflects the missile, it blows up and he's like, Time to knock off this Doc Strange love routine. I've got a feeling this thing's about to blow. Boom. Anyway, <laughs> and, in fact, no boom. They didn't put any um, onomatopoeia in that page because guess what? In space. In space. Hey, clever. Hell yeah. Scream. Scream. But over the, um, the, the, the radio, Breaker starts singing, Mild, mild pale flash, I... Have I told you lately that I love you? Sorry, guys, it's early. Anyways, we don't know <laughs> the, the, the exact tune that he's singing because it could be a Van Morrison song, it could be a Rod Stewart song, it could be an Elvis Presley song. Could be anything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know uh, if it's Rod Beatles. Stewart. Right. He did do um, a cover of "Have I Told You Lately That I Love You." Yeah, but that was later. That was after '83. All right. Okay. okay, Paul, Rod Stewart fanatic, love it. My I also. Really love the gallows sure. humor. Just some, gallows, some delicious gallows humor from from like throwaway characters. But yeah, there is a sort of captain and a crew for the space shuttle. And they realize, holy shit, this missile's got us dead to rights. We can't maneuver in time. Um, and they say, uh, we're out of luck, guys. Nice knowing you. Be seeing you in that great briefing room in the sky, which is... Sad man, it's like acceptance of your fate that this missile yeah, is hardcore, dude. Yeah, but I suppose you live realist. in a knife edge in um, in outer space, like life and death is so immediate. Um, you've learned to accept it and make peace with it long before you stepped onto the tarmac. You guys ever watched the first man, by the way? Maybe with, uh, remind Ryan me, Gosling. Ryan Gosling, um, is um, Neil Armstrong. And it's about them trying to land onto the moon. No, I, haven't watched, I watched Apollo 13. That was I have intense. seen it, Paul. I've seen it, and I remember thinking it was excellent, but I can remember absolutely nothing else. I, about a lot of, lot of tension with the astronauts and how that all goes down and that acceptance of death and how their families have to deal with that kind of stuff. Anyway, it just made me think of that when you wow. watched this. Cool film. I recall yeah, seeing... Yeah, is the way to go. Sorry, the thank numbers, you, Jay. The, the secret numbers anyway it's the film about the team of uh, mathematics boffs who basically crunch the numbers for the apollo 11. Ooh. um yeah, yeah yeah um anyway besides the point one of kim's favorite movies as it turns out wow. uh, anyways guys um this issue That's need i say dark. like are we gonna rate this what are we need, need, need what are you we say thinking? that we're gonna rate it of course we're gonna rate it for sure we're definitely gonna rate it. Although I, I just want to mention a highlight of mine. I think is is later on when um when none of them none of their guns work, and the only person who can kind of sh fire something off is uh, Zap to, to destroy something, and uh, as he's kind of like shooting off his missile, he's he like whispers, Zap, 
<laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> That's cool. I, I love that. that moment. It, it it's like why I don't know why it's in there, but it's it's hilarious. I really liked it. I love well, that yeah. because that is he's got, <laughs> he's, got an ex, he's got an accessory pack uh, rocket launcher. It's a yeah. gray color. Yeah. Hopefully it's less, oh, of yeah. a thumb, less of a thumb breaker than his original 1982. <laughs> um what is the explanation for that? Why why do you suppose he, he whispers zap? I imagine it's just a uh, it's a focus mechanism. It's not like yeah. he was trained or anything like that. It's just he's probably found in his life that if he focuses on something like on a word, zap. it helps him do better with his aim. I know some people, um, friends of mine who play baseball, they also do that when they pitch. They think of word. a word and they go like, yeah. And they just use that to focus. Yeah, maybe it is a nervous tick that he has. And like in actuality, you don't get to pick your code name. You know, your code name isn't this badass thing that you dreamed up. It's it's given to you by your teammates mm. or by your commanding officer. Perhaps in this <laughs> case, Hawk was kind of structuring the team. He was like, hmm, this guy, I've I've been with him on the range when he fires you know, a heavy weapon. And he always has this tick that when he depresses the trigger he says zap <laughs> yeah. so I'm gonna call him zap um, and that could be a thing I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna call stalker stalker <laughs> <laughs> you know why um you know why <laughs> yeah, that's very well, interesting bart points out he's whispering whispering to himself because he loves his job and is goofing around and uh darren uh, darren suggests maybe it's a uh, like a catchphrase cobra you just got zapped Pretty cool. There we go. Yeah, it's, it's weird, but like that kind of stuff really does help you focus. It's, it's well, hard. it's a it's a take on Metalhead who came later, who likes to say bang, or well, mm. he, he he likes to say bang, but bang also incidentally is the voice activation cue for his missile system. Um, wow, I still think that's... he swears. I think that's just yeah. Uh, that's just bang, yeah. Bang. There's a there's a character in a game called Loaded. <laughs> And I can't think of her name right now, um, but she's also got a voice-activated weapon. And how it works, as a, according to the manual, is that she just shouts expletives. She screams expletives all the time. And that's how her guns shoot. They just couldn't do it because of the Commerce Code Authority. Pretty but much, yeah. Paul's head cannon. He's always swearing. There is another great moment in this book. Uh, we kind of glanced over it quickly, and I feel like it's one of the the last things we should speak about just because. Oh, okay, cool. I'll definitely stop talking about it. When, when um, Cobra Commander shoots up that wire-guided missile, is it a wire-guided missile? Yes, it's a wire-guided little missile at the launch gantry, and Hawk pops out to to stop it. So, mm. oh, and also this moment here with Snake Eyes as well. Can you guys tell me what happened to this poor Cobra officer? Because everybody's getting shot and whatever. And here comes Snake Eyes with Swiss Scrooge. <laughs> like, what I'm saying is that Coco Officer had a head and now he doesn't. He has <laughs> like five half heads. <laughs> Do you want to take a crack at this first, Rob? I, I think he just shoved him straight in, in, into the cockpit there. I mean, he doesn't, doesn't have anything in his hands that I can see. So I think he just hit him really, really hard. Like in the back of the head, like or like 
chopped him with his hands. He's got a yeah, he's got a flat <laughs> hand, so it's like a karate chop. I mean, people yeah often bang karate on about chop. the fact that this is Commando Snake Eyes, and the later version is Ninja Snake Eyes. But that's obviously an oversimplification because this is in every sense of the word like a modern day ninja. Snake Eyes mm. is depicted like unarmed here. He's killing a guy with his bare hands. He's sneaking up at him, uh, on him, um, out of the sort of the long grasses, and then just the old spice with his soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> he was definitely a ninja. Head. Yeah. yeah, right um, off. I think Paul's right. Yeah. Master of 12 unarmed fighting systems. That is on his first file card, not his second. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, drop. You, you, wanted to, you wanted to call attention to the... Oof, I love this shot. Style. Again, mm. this whole going, going gantry gets closer, gantry gets closer. All Very the like while, we've got the angle. countdown to the launch. Ten. Yeah, nine, man, and it just eight, takes you through. Seven. And it's just this whip, like, let's call it a whip pan sort of kind of thing that happens. And an explosion... And it's just beautiful. And then, you know, Cobra Commander sort of taking great sort of, you know, pride in the fact that, oh, you know, he died. You know, at least he'll, you know, that's, that's one that we get to scratch off, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, not Cobra Commander. I think it's Baroness that says something. Um, and then you're just like, oh, no, what happened to this Joe? And you're like, and then in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, it's probably that Ranger fucker because nobody knows who that is. And that was very clever. Very obviously marked emergency blast shelter. Yes, yeah, just for us, <laughs> just in case we were like. Just in case the dialogue doesn't, you know, tell you that. Because obviously Herb didn't trust the letter, you know, as he trusted him as much as you do, Paul. Yes, it's, no, this, I mean, it's not like I'm the most grammatically sort of sound human being on the planet, but yeah. This, well, uh, Paul, you, you hung a lantern on, on Hawk's badassery to this point by listing that he's able to walk out into the cold in short sleeves. Come but on, he's got long I've sleeves. done that. No, but no, no, I'm just saying, like, this is the most studly moment of all. He guns down an incoming missile with his M16. Um, and he kind of, yeah, he, uh, he has some pretty stoic things to say as this missile is charging down towards him. He says, good gosh, that missile's coming right at us. <laughs> Captain Obvious. 30 years in uniform, and it's down to one bullet, one chance. I mean, when you're staring Why? at death in the shape of a wire-guided missile, one chance to, to come up Zap. with such a stuggly <laughs> movie poster thing to say, that's, uh, yeah. He's got some incredible focus at that point, man. Uh, well, I'm more so than the guys in space. I mean, those guys just gave up. It's you in the <laughs> briefing room in the sky. Yeah. I think this is a fantastic issue. I think, I mean, mm. it, it is a really good one and done again, um, which yeah. is usually the ones that I prefer, especially with G.I. Joe. It's nice to kind of see like a mission start and end in one issue. I, I think I'd probably give this four and a half out of five. Uh, mm. Joe Kohler's Grape Soda. What's preventing it being a perfect issue? Uh, I think just sometimes, yeah, like just the designs of the sea legs. I think I, I just can't take it that seriously, unfortunately. <laughs> like if they're more like hovercrafts or something, I, I, I kind of like, but like I just can't take them seriously. Um, it's obviously right. a big uh, feature and I think Herb was very proud of them, but it just doesn't feel in line with other things that I've seen from Cobra. Um, or just it, my custom it stretches legs. my believability a little too much, I think. So, you know, if, if, if they didn't have the legs and they look more like spoilers, uh, yeah, definitely 
five out of five grape sodas from me. It would have been. Paul. Uh, Paul. Steven, you, you, you took a breath. <laughs> <laughs> We're both gun shy. No, guys, for me, this is a perfect uh, issue. I'm going to give it five. Uh, with no reservations. This is my favorite kind of G.I. Joe issue. And it's very typical of the first 10 or the first nine, I'm going to say, because mm. there was still a level of disbelief that this toy book could run multiple issues. It was initially just going to be one. And then the sales were good enough to, to grant them a second issue. And so I don't think they had the confidence to know that we could do multi-parts and overarching storylines. By issue 10, that all changed. But we're still in those kind of golden early era of um, one and dones or two and dones. Mm. And, and this f perfectly fits that mold. It is nonstop action. It's got incredible art. And I'm even going to say that the science fiction designs are all right by my book. Um, Herbie was was off off script at this point. He was not running off any kind of pre-existing designs. He made up a ton of stuff. Um, some of it excellent, some of it a little less than. But uh, I'm glad he took a shot and gave Cobra this very exotic arsenal of vehicles. Um, love it. Five out of five. Oh, I do want to say that I think he's internally consistent because very blink and you miss it, but the Joes do have a heavy lift aircraft. And, oh, no, as I'm looking at it now, I was going to say it looks like the same plane that they use in the, the beginning of um, issue six, which is also penciled by Herb. Um, but that plane had pusher engines, had engines that had the props facing rearwards. This one has forward-facing engines. Maybe G.I. Joe can flip its engine configuration for different landing situations, but like structurally it looks like the same plane, apart from that fact. Anyway. I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it four and a half uh Yojo colors. Yo, uh, that lettering because... really bugs you. It really did bug me. It is unfortunately a, a mark on an otherwise perfect comic book. Uh, but guys, that's just me being finicky. I know that maybe later on in the line, I'm going to regret giving this book a 4.5 and probably would have lamented over the fact that I should have given it a 5. But, um, you know, we've kind of been spoiled. Uh, you know, at the time of this book's writing, I think this was a really high-class book. And where we are in the series, you know, we don't know, we don't know what's coming next. So it's it's amazing. I'm going to give it like 4.5. I'm very happy yeah. with that. I also think the sci-fi designs were amazing in 1983. I think people looked at this and they were like, oh my God, this is the future. But uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at with this book. Uh, I also love uh, Herb Trimpey's dark and moody panels and just the seriousness of war comes through a lot. Well, not war, but the seriousness of combat comes through yeah. quite a lot. Yeah, no, for sure. The high Good issue. Good issue. Great issue, yes. Also, I love this <laughs> raptor. Love it. It's Apparently you do. It's it pretty cool. Yeah. <sighs> it can't turn its head. It can move its arms. It can move its legs, and it can open and close its mouth. And I love that when you look at it, it looks like it's thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Robo raptor and real raptor, gentlemen. Shall we shift our wow. focus to a comic of the recent past? Oh my goodness. Issue 286. 
which was written Whoa. by Mary and tells a very, I'm going to say personal story. I feel like this has its roots in some element of the author's history because there's a lot of realistic touches. I mean, Larry books typically always get you to break out encyclopedias or Google in this case. Um, you know, he has his attentional attention to detail makes you do the extra mile and do some research. But this one, like there's even more realism than usual. And I don't think it's just because it deals with a historical period. I think it's because something about the story has a ring of truth to it. It is, of course, set in the Vietnam conflict. And it's all about, hello, Ronnie, um, is all about the arrival of Storm Shadow into the LRRP team that Snake Eyes was already a member of. And then later on, the arrival of Stalker into that same team. It's um, what I find going simple. into this, I, I find very fascinating is that the story, yes, it takes up an entire issue, but Stalker is able to convey it to Scarlet in the period of time it takes for them to go through security to get into the Fort Wadsworth. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, well, let me tell you about this through the gate. Oh, so that's how it happened. Yep, that's how it went down. I've got an explanation for you, though, Rob. <laughs> Stalker didn't tell any any of the issue the events of the issue. Oh, the Stalker, Stalker wasn't there, so it was a very mm. short story for Stalker. It was like, yeah, I got off the chopper and I met these guys, and then I was on the team. Pretty cool. <laughs> okay, so who's remembering this then? Like, it what? suffers from the same technical problem that Saving Private Ryan suffers from, in that we get this epic story that the narrator wasn't present for at least the, you know 90 percent of it he comes in right mm. at the end and that's the only bit that he could accurately narrate um so the framing story is possibly the the thing that i could lose from this yeah um, i think you could just go into it spotlight um you know storm shadow it starts out um nam back in the day or whatever and then you just go from there you know um, I think the context of it is, is, is you can understand where you are and what's going on because like we all know that that's where, you know, Snake Eyes and all the other guys met each other was in Nam, and they did work together. How did they work together? Yeah, you re yeah I, think, I think you're right. You could lose this kind of like little framing piece um, and it would still be a very, you know, you don't need it. How did you meet him, my boyfriend? Well, <laughs> let me tell you about the times back in the days. Dude, don't driving Miss Daisy this shit. <laughs> anyway, go up. Go up. Sorry, Steve. Please go up. Um, go up. There's your answer. He's like, I like Stalker in the second panel. Yeah, for sure he says that, but it's like, you know. Yeah, from Wade Collins and Dickie and Ramon. Uh, Ramon. So, Ramon. Hey, Ramon Escobedo. Um, let's not forget to name drop his surname because... Yeah, for whatever reason, well, maybe Larry forgot it, needed a reminder, but yeah, or it's just a clumsy, not clumsy, it's a, it's a lengthy name, but yeah, Dickie gets his, his surname name dropped. I guess it's probably because Ramon's heritage is implicit in him being called Ramon. Obviously, he's of Latinx descent. Dickie Sapistine, Sapistine uh, I mean, it's a plot point later on that he's a Jew, 
but perhaps a German Jew. So there's an interesting um, perhaps backstory there, historical story. Uh, maybe his parents were immigrants uh, leaving Europe around that time. Anyway, um, it's terrific having the details filled in about these characters who were most famous for dying. <laughs> like the, the other guys on the long-range recon patrol that Stalker, Storm Shadow, and Snake Eyes came from, their most notable <laughs> plot point were the fact that they got wasted in this ambush. And so now we get to see Hello, the day-to-day -day mundanity of them on base, playing cards, getting visits from the donut dollies, <laughs> and how Snake, how Snake Eyes fitted into this picture back then. And that is very telling. Like, even before he was robbed of the ability to speak, he was a quiet dude who didn't mix with the fellow soldiers. And there are two components to this. The first, I believe it's it's just his character to be strong, silent type. And the second is he was sending money home to pay for his sister's tuition, his twin sister's tuition. Um, and like, I've never served in the, the armed forces, but I have been in a, a touring company. And you'd get guys like this who had families already, you know, had young children. And after a show, they would not hit the, hit, hit the town and blow their, their per diems. They saved absolutely every cent. They'd catch the bus straight back to the hotel and have an early night because they were sending money back and you just never saw them as a result. Um, Snake Eyes is fitting that bill, I guess. Devoted. That Not irresponsible. Yeah, or he just wants this to be over with as quickly as possible. So he doesn't want to, like, he just wants to do his thing, get in there, do his thing. Send the money uh, back. Look, you might, yeah. you might find that fraternizing makes the time pass a bit easier paul no he's just it depends stuff yeah it depends on the on the personality some people get stronger from that some people don't but yeah it's he's an engine what i think is interesting sorry and this is especially in this 10 scene we've had a gi joe comic before i think it was in the form of gi joe origins or snake eyes declassified or something to that extent where snake eyes is portrayed as being quite mouthy and full of jokes and quite, you know, uh, it was an IDW. Oh, sorry, it was a Devil's Due, Devil's Due. Um, Snake Eyes declassified book. I think they show a flashback to him and his twin sister, and, and it's, it's quite mouthy over dinner, yeah. Mm. And it's quite interesting because, like, you've got, I mean, listen, Larry has final say, this is his character, uh, on anything that happens with Snake Eyes, but it's but it is interesting to me that that character got signed off back then, you know, like by the brand. Probably by Larry, I'd imagine. No, Larry wasn't uh, right. Wasn't he involved in the classified? Oh, I thought he might have been. Or what? Hey, what's up, Gary? But uh, that, that was just a thought. Uh, listen, I like that um, characterization of Snake Eyes as well. I also kind of like the idea that both exist, that people remember him differently, that you see him from different perspectives. I like that. <laughs> Although this is a very de facto look on him, but I like that as to his mystery you know it's like tell us some truth but tell us two versions of the truth you know let us figure out as readers which one we prefer so well, kind of what i always liked about wolverine before they ruined it by doing wolverine origins so well, well I, I 
All right, sorry. I I, I, was, I was trying to recapture my Scarlet voice, but I, I couldn't I couldn't get it back. Um, <laughs> I think I think the I think the, the that's the more stereotypical way of doing it is where you have a character who's established as silent now, and then you will when in the past you're going to show them as the most talkative person ever in the entire world. I think that's that's more of a, a go to when you are kind of like showing a past version of a character, while the way that Larry kind of shows it is that he. He isn't silent because he doesn't he isn't able to talk. He's just that's just part of his character. He's always been kind of like a very silent person. He doesn't talk a lot. Mm. When he does say something, you know, it, it kind of does mean something. Like he has a reason for why he's saying it. And I think both I think yeah, Paul, you're right. They both are very valid approaches, but I think the the easier one to do is be like, Oh, you know, you know that guy who can talk. He, he loved talking as much as he ever could, you know, that was his favorite thing to do. Um so I think, yeah, both valid approaches, but it's, it's quite cool to kind of see, like, he was always a very, like, um, reserved character, a reserved person. And it also shows more the build, the the relationship he sort of develops with Tommy, um, yeah. where it is shown that, you know, they get very close. Like, he talks to him for hours, you know, they, they have this deep, deep connection that, that he, he, he obviously... He has a connection with everyone in his unit, but he has a more a deeper connection with Tommy, which well, is that's I found the thing. Cool. That's the contrast, right? That's how it gives us contrast to their relationship. Why their relationship actually is something special, because that's yeah. what he brings to the snake guys. Because I mean, he is he is very protective of everyone in his unit. I mean, that, that's shown a lot on this issue. You know, where he kind of like completely uh, reduces his gun to like, uh, you know, like nothing because he's trying to keep them safe as as best he can. This here he's trying to my... save his own skin, dude. He was caught in the middle of the river. No, but he was, he was given the option to leave the river. He was like, Tommy was like, come on over here. You'll be safer. And then that guy's, you know, through the narration, like he realizes he can't do that. If he does that, he's, he's going to um, he's gonna have to stop laying down fire to be able this to keep the rest of the unit safe. This might be a shocker, but have you ever considered that maybe he was just scared? Oh wow! Like, nobody wants to like sort of accept that, but he was. I think he was shitting himself. And he was I probably, but um, he also had enough focus to not just fire one belt empty, but he reloads three times. I believe they say. Yeah, mm. but like that's a... the thing. You you can do that. You you know if people can do that, like not all people lose their shit in conflict maybe he just it could be a, a run away it, or whatever it, but he can focus to reload and just yeah it's a mix of this it's a mix of all of that he, he probably is scared um but he is also very like determined to keep his unit safe i think absolutely love that sh uh, that scene though because oh no it's fantastic i do so, like the fact uh, for me it's important that he's scared and he despite being scared shit out of his mind, he's still doing what he thinks is the best thing to do, even despite the fact that he's holding that gun wrong. But, uh, you know, I love it. It's a good moment, actually. What? Where is he holding the gun wrong, Paul? This. I hate this. It looks uncomfortable. He's not. It doesn't look like he's supporting the gun properly. Well, it's, it is foreshortened to cram it into a vertical panel. Um, but that is the, that is the, the rest. It's also very big. It's it's gotten a bit life out there. Just also does. I'm not saying <laughs> artist. I'm just saying it went a bit life out there. There's a shot that I, uh, before I go into all of this. There's a shot that I wanted you to go back up to with Tommy that I actually hate. It's a storm shadow shot, and I love that so, we have camera. 
Honestly, Talking to you, the, the fact that Snake Eyes is scared, Ronnie Trickshot says Snake Eyes definitely laid a snake in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Pop the coiled viper. A little bit higher, bro. Um, so, like, when, when Tommy gets off the, video, uh, off the, the healer after he's come back oh, from yes. his team so all being shot let's, 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 let's just bring the listeners who might not be familiar with issue, this issue up to speed. So, Tommy is actually not a member of Snake Eyes' LRRP team at the start of this issue. Tommy mm. is with a company or a a team. Alpha, uh, yeah. Alpha, yeah. And they yeah. get shot to pieces. Only the sergeant and he survive. But the sergeant is, he's lost an eye or his, his eye's injured. He eventually has it cut out. Um, so he's on his way home on the freedom bird. Lovely, lovely vernacular being used. Or, um, uh, yeah, uh, very, very cool uh, sort of technical language. Um, but Tommy gets sent into bravo which is the team that uh that snake eyes is in and the team that we know so well with dicky ramon and wade um and snake eyes hasn't opened up to anyone but because of a, an altercation that happens early on in their relationship um he and tommy start talking and don't stop finally snake eyes is fine i guess someone he feels comfortable enough to confide in and so they, they go for hours and chat. It's very romantic. <laughs> Thank you for this brick fiction. Uh, short-barreled M60E, one of the coolest weapons from the 70s and 80s. That actually definitely helped me a little bit. Uh, need the, uh, here we go. Need the four-end grip that will be added in the 80s for the Navy SEALs. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that sounds like it would have made sense. So this shot here of Tommy, I hate and I have to show you in the video. Sorry. <laughs> oh, dear. I know. I hate that Tommy is standing all heroic-like. He's all like, yeah. He's like, sorry, guys. I can't get much like range here. But he's all like, Hur. I hate that he's not like standing kind of like, like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know? Like, kind of like, you know? I hate the body language there. It doesn't tell the story well at all. And that's me being a, a pain on the ass comic artist. I'm not a comic artist. That's just me being a, an artist with that. Because I know that if I had done that on a page or did that somewhere or presented that to the client, they would have been like, why does the sad man look like a superhero? And that I don't like. I thought that was very silly. It doesn't come. I just, I don't like it. But then again, I'm not the guy who edited it. And Larry Homer, I'm pretty sure, signed off on a lot of the pages for this. And I'm pretty sure he likes it. And that's actually what matters. It's just, this is just my opinion on it. I think it works from perhaps mid torso up, but you're yes. right. The fists... Shoulders slammed. Yeah. The fists don't make so much sense. Yeah. I can see that. It just makes me, it's just, it's just like, yeah, it's uh, because this book is great. It's just, I didn't like that moment. Also, this was kind of a cool moment as well. When they shoot, shoot out the other GIs for treating their, their friends like meat. Like, yeah, and yeah. I I looked this up, but um, the designation five seven dash F is mm. actually a a job in the army for disposing of corpses. So mm. these guys, their job is to accept mm. bodies and take care of them. And like <laughs> the LRP team, um, this sort of this. The, the officer in charge who we get name dropped later on he doesn't uh, last very long unfortunately but he he does tell him to take a hike that uh, the lrp guys take care of their own mm. Mm. 
so they'll see to the the proper handling of these corpses not just kind of drag them around like pieces of meat and it's sad, Hardcore. I mean, that is what you do to deal with shit as well. I mean, I'm like, I'm not sitting at the looking at these characters and going, "Oh, you guys are such assholes handling stuff," but it's just that's what happens, man. You're trying to get a handle on the moment. Uh, the Last of Us TV series uh, explored that quite well as well, where you know they also throwing bodies into you know fire pits basically, and they also mm. become very desensitized to it, and especially when Joel keeps seeing that it's children every now and then. So. Yeah, there are various touches in this book and this comes back to the point that I made like right at the beginning and it's the fact that while G.I. Joe always kind of straddles a a, a, a sort of a fantastical and realistic line this one dips wholly into the realism and Mm. and makes me feel like this is more anecdotal this is either something that was a story related to Larry or several stories that he cobbled together or possibly even stuff that he experienced himself. Um, just the specificity of a guy shooting out his barrel to the point where the weapon is ineffectual. He knows better. He's trained better to know better. But like he just his finger is clenched on that trigger. Um, fi- fires through his entire you know, allocation of, of ammunition. Um, that feels to me like something that actually happened you know a guy reboards the helicopter and his his barrel is melted i love the description there it's white hot that the barrel becomes invisible and you can see the rounds going through it ironically not the first time this has been used in gi joe exactly Uh, yeah yeah the um the assault on cobra island after it had just been formed was it that or was it trying to shoot uh, rattlers out of the sky either way it was the whale the whale's guns were shot so so hot that you could see the bullets exiting and the barrel that, oh, i believe that barrel. is because he's actually seen that like yeah I, that's like something you have to actually see to believe you know because it's people can tell you about it but yeah you have to see it i suppose to really to really understand the the realness of it it's, it's sometimes life isn't real enough, you know. Anyway, and credits to Griffiths, the artist Andrew Lee Griffith. Um, uh, I I just want to also pay compliments to his technical detail. I mean, it, it's probably true to say that the the Huey is the most photographed helicopter in existence. Um, so he probably had references for every conceivable angle, but yeah, he definitely spent a good bit of time getting that aircraft bang on the details mm-hmm. are there the geometry of it is there the the effect of the rotors in spin beautiful work the art is amazing but also the coloring um by jay brown is is, is fantastic too it's got that very kind of like muted browns and greens palette across it's been the entire issue. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. i also feel like uh with the with the huey um you have to be careful with that helicopter as well because there's a lot of Hueys on movies and things like that that aren't actually Hueys. They're dressed up differently. And so you have to... So, <laughs> like, I don't want to be technical, but I mean, I imagine that these are pretty right, pretty accurate. Because a lot of um, Vietnam movies use slightly more modern versions of the helicopters in those films, which aren't actually at all like, like the real ones used. So... 
Yeah, I had to share this one Bart earlier. Yo, dude, what can I say? Bart says that uh, he got a red hot barrel on his M4A1 once, and that gets you slapped in the back of the head by your first sergeant. LOL. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Were you just deciding to hell with it, man? I'm gonna <laughs> oh, keep going. <laughs> I'm gonna flick to full order and just burn out some mags. This is very um, tight storytelling. Like every event kind of affects the, the thing that comes next. Um, well, I mean, which happens a lot of stories, but it is definitely, it kind of feels very deliberate. Um, you know, like he, he rides back, they see the way that Tommy reacts to the way that his people are being treated and they kind of step in to help him. And then also the way that, that Snake Eyes kind of comes to his aid um, in, you know, in the, um, the mess hall. And it all kind of like leads on very, very deliberately, I think. You know, there is a definitely a connection there between Tommy and the unit, and they kind of see him as a as as a fellow, yeah, as you know, as a fellow soldier and someone who's really gone through this shit as well. And he very quickly becomes part of their entire team and you know their their makeup. Um, it's very tight, you know, the story. Like you definitely from the start to finish, you know, like what's going on. Um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this quite a lot, and I love how like Stalker just comes in right at the end. Well, that's where I came into the story. <laughs> True. <laughs> true, true, true. Uh, any other high points you want to pull out from this issue? Uh, it is you guys have covered teams all, all have the, the highlights. I think so. I mean, like we, you know, we've discussed like the him overcoming his own fear to kind of like, um, you know, to take on to kind of keep his own unit safe. Uh, it's a very emotional issue, definitely. Um, and it's really cool to see something like this from later on in the series because i mean you know we, mm. we kind of talk a lot of shit about the, the more multi-part um issue stories i think generally we seem to have enjoyed i think more of the, the standalone issues later on and this this is definitely a standout standalone issue from um you know late in the run it's absolutely fantastic i i really couldn't give this less than a four and a half <laughs> I really can give it more. We didn't mention that was kind of important in this comic book. I feel like everybody's mentioned this line, but it's worth it. Uh, is when Snake Eyes actually speaks. Oh, um, oh yeah, Ramon, Ramon shit about telling his mother everything that goes down, telling her the truth, yes. and they all like don't do that. Like we see horrors here that you know no one should know about. And Snake Eyes is just like don't lie to her. Just don't tell her the truth. Or maybe in his real voice, don't lie to her. Just don't tell her. <laughs> See, that's why he doesn't yeah, talk. Like. <laughs> um, but I love that. Because... Which both, um, I, th I think, chronologically, or certainly chronologically in ERA, um, and also perhaps just in terms of the fact that this is the first like fully formed sentence that he's spoken, um, this is the first time he's spoken. I mean, he has, he has uttered Scarlet's name, so he's capable of pushing words out later on after his injuries. But this is him <laughs> saying something, and it's got enormous weight. I mean, not only is it Snake Eyes speaking, which will always carry enormous weight, but like he imparts the kind of a, the final point to the scene. Like, because the guys are debating how much detail. Ramon should go into in this letter to his mother. It's like, mm. no, man, don't tell her all that stuff. Tell her the, you know, the just the humdrum, like the day-to-day -day shit, that uh, the boring the stuff. Donut dollies, yeah. Yeah, don't tell her about the horrors. 
like you'll freak your mother out um mm. and snake eyes just cuts right down the middle and says just don't lie to her don't tell her the truth it shows you he's, he's protective he knows how to protective protect. yeah T tell us something nice mm. also but don't don't deceive don't go out of your way to deceive her like that's you know it's your mother don't don't, and don't also bullshit her and a question for the for the Berg force and for Why? what do you think it is about snake eyes that makes tommy or what do you think it is that makes tommy kind of look at snake eyes and go oh i can tell you a whole bunch of cool stuff or what do you think it is about tommy that makes snake eyes feel he can talk about a lot of stuff like <clears throat> what do you think it is about those those characters um yeah what do you think is the thing that they looked at each other and they were like you i know you're I the one you deep secrets best friends for life but that i think it's that setup you know where kind of like the way that he reacts to his um teammates you know his dead teammates being about to be dragged off um snake eyes cares a lot about the people that he that he um he is is partnered with that he you know is his unit and he sees that Tommy cared a lot about his own unit as well. And I think that that does resonate, you know, between them, that they care a lot about others, um, maybe more so than they care about themselves a lot of the time. And specifically, there is an altercation that happens in the mess tent. Tommy mm. gets back from his unit being slaughtered. And mm. the, the mess tent chef is like, get out of here. You smell like jungle and blood. I'm paraphrasing. Um, yeah, but Snake Eyes confronts the dude, doesn't say anything, just plops some food down on Tommy's plate and Literally. stares down, stares down the, the the chef. He's like the chef's mouthing off and I'm like, yo, hot shot, heartbreaker, name taker out in the bush in my mess tent. And then he trails off, doesn't say anything else. He gets fixed by a steely gaze, and mm. that's it, man. This dude, he's got a rep, definitely, mm. even at that. Even as a young man in this conflict, Snake Eyes' legend had started to grow. I, mm. I think that makes perfect sense, and I can go with that. I also feel like Tommy has just lost his whole unit. He's alone. He's feeling alone. Um, he's also just... He, he's just... He's actually, in a lot of ways, he's going through the, maybe a little bit of survivor guilt and whatever. And the fact that like Snake Eyes comes out and steps in to help him makes him realize he's actually being seen like he's being watched like snake eyes has got his back and it's it's a weird thing but i think that's kind of what makes him feel like okay this guy i can trust because this guy's been watching my back he's looking after me even though he gives snake eyes crap like going i don't need anybody fighting for me kind of thing i think yeah. he kind of also appreciated that snake eyes had his back he was like okay like because i'm sure like in a situation like that Nobody gives a shit. They come in, they get their like food, they sit down with their, you know, let's call them buddies or squad mates or at the most available table and they eat. You know what I mean? Nobody's really looking out for each other and stuff at that moment. I don't know. But I imagine that's what it's like. So maybe here he just feels, okay, this dude's actually noticed me, you know, and now I don't feel as alone, which is important, I think. Doesn't matter how hardcore, or how badass you've been trained as a ninja. But anyway, mm. uh, yeah, initially Tommy's defiant and like, I don't need anyone fighting my battles for me. Absolutely yeah. not. Um, <laughs> Tommy's as elite as they come already at this point. 
but uh, I, I guess that shone a light on this this stoic sunglasses silent man and mm. made it easier to to then approach Rick Fiction also mentions that you can't overlook that he's Asian in a war against the Vietnamese that is something I wanted to say as well um, and I'm going to put words in Rick Fiction's mouth and just say of Asian descent because let's not have any ambiguity whatsoever Tommy Arashikage is an American citizen He's mm -hmm. from Fresno, California. Like he's he's as, as true blue American as they come, which makes him a kind of a, a stand-in for Larry by being in you know an American citizen in the American armed forces, but at least you present Asian to be shipped off to an Asian country fighting in a war against you know people who also present as Asian, Southeast Asian. Um, there is a lingering element of race in everything you do. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, he's feeling double or triple isolated. He's a survivor. He's he looks like Watch the enemy. Mm. Mm. And yep, Tabuya J adds it is the 1960s and 70s, like. That sort of flagrant yeah, racism went unchecked. No one was really wrapping anyone else on the knuckles. If you had some casual racism in the mess tent or not so casual racism, uh, no one's going to say, hey, 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 dude, come on. Exactly. And I think they even make note of that a little bit later in here where the term cholo is used as well. Uh. I think Ramon has some some fun uh, Spanish that he flings snake eyes his way, doesn't he? Mm. I think he does. They, both, they, both, they both weigh in on how snake eyes has got uh, the big cojones. Um, I just think that was also just kind of just a subtle thing just to sort of go, hey, listen, this kind of stuff was kind of unchecked. I think Larry was trying to do it with also like without, you know, trying to put a big sign board on top of it. Well. Every minority group is coming into play here. Like it's <laughs> Ramon says, check out Snake Eyes as hombre machote, which I think means he's a, he's a macho big dude, uh, one hell of a guy, something like that. And um, <laughs> Dickie's uh, showing off some, I think it's Yiddish, I guess, or is it German? German, probably. Um, yeah, Schrecklich Starker. Yeah, German, uh, which also means like he's a tough guy. Uh, I love this by Darren Cobb. Snake Eyes to Tommy. I'm perfect. You're perfect. We would be perfect together. You hesitated to give it a, a full marks. Is that just because you're hesitant, hesitant to ever give anything a perfect score? Or was there something? I've, I, I'm sure I've given things five, five out of five. Um, I, I gave it 4.5 because it, it just, it's, it also just kind of makes me sad that, you know, that, I mean, later on we kind of get is a really cool story and it's kind of like you know bookended by really other other issues that i really don't like um i just i just wish they would all be this good um but something else i, I mean so this is really the first time we've had the story there hasn't been like hints as to like more like we've had time when it was stalker and and tommy and, and snake guys we've had stories about them in vietnam but i mean literally this is the first time the story has ever been told is that right then I mean, we've never had this like section of that story before. Yeah, Tommy's well, entry so, into yeah. Snake Eyes's uh, LRP team. Yeah, this is this is All the right. first. It was just assumed, story. like, okay, they were always together, and you know, they went from there. Okay, okay. well, that that kind of makes me very happy to know that. I mean, you know, we are still discovering more about these characters 
you know, years and years later after, mm. and, you know, we've had so many stories told about them. I would personally love more stories that focus on Storm Shadow. Why? Yes, I'm a big fan, but I feel like there's a lot of questions we don't have. And I feel like a lot of questions we have for Snake Eye, for Storm Shadow stuff is answered through Snake Eye stuff. And, you know, there's yeah. this great little short run Storm Shadow miniseries that Larry Hammer had done which I, I thoroughly enjoyed. I thought it was a very, a very cool comic book. And I would have liked to have had more of that because it gave me more insight on the character. Mm. And I would have especially loved to know what was going on in Storm Shadow's head in the early G.I. Joe books. when he's Because we can speculate on what he's doing, but we don't really know if he is spying on Cobra, if he is a Cobra. Like, it's weird. I'd love to know uh, what's going on in his book. I'd love to have like a... It'd be cool if Larry Homer could do like some kind of, if he could read some of those issues and then, or maybe he's already got it as a back in the, in the idea book somewhere, but I'd love to like get a journal, <laughs> like Storm Shadow's journal, you know, from that time. I'd love to see how that would have played out, but that could be fun. Got a great question from Moonlight. Has that Vietnam story stayed consistent throughout? Or have there been attempts at retconning other characters slash references into it? Larry is quoted as saying that his entire run is a giant retcon. Like the past is always a shifting sand because of it's being shaped by the present. I'm now sort of adding to what he says, but yeah, he he is very clear on the, the fact that like he's not trying to um, make the past ironclad. That like as new stories evolve in the present and the future, the past will change with it. So I'm. I'm 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 leaving the door open to the fact that there could be retcons to that that Vietnam story. But as far as I'm concerned it stayed consistent. Like the the LRRP stuff has stayed within the Larry Harmer run he has not reset it to Afghanistan or any kind of future conflicts future past conflicts later conflicts. Mm. He has remained true in terms of that period of history. There's some weird, like, additional stories that have been shoehorned in there, like, um, uh, what comes to mind? No, I'm I actually thinking of, I'm thinking of different things entirely. I'm, I'm thinking of um, the mission after G.I. Joe had been formulated when Snake Eyes gets his injuries. That stuff has kind of but has, had has Wade Has Wade always been there? Has Dickie always been there? Have they always been yeah. part of the team? Okay. Okay, so it's yeah. pretty consistent. <laughs> I think they name dropped them in issue 26. So as early as that, yeah. this element has been frozen in G.I. Joe history. Yeah. So how frozen is your five for this, Stephen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just shows that Larry's got not only good stories, but great stories left in him. You know, we're not dealing with the brainwave scanner or any of the kind of the old mm hat -hmm. that gets trotted out month to month this is a very meaningful story and a story that needed to come out of context it needed to kind of have this spotlight series to to, to bring it out i i feel like it's been percolating for for larry for the longest time and he's wanted to fill in the blanks as it were what storm shadows entry into the team was how snake eyes carried himself in those early days and once again coming back to my early point that like it's so nice to get a little bit more of a sense of who Dickie 
and Ramon were, apart from just being the guys, the sacrificial lambs to, to add weight to that moment. You know, these, these were real people. They had aspirations. It's, it's very much like issue 155 in its realism and its, its stoicism. Like it, it, it's telling a story about three-dimensional characters that fully realized, even if they don't have that much to do within the the run of the issue. Mm. Yeah, man. Five out of five. All the way. Hell yeah, brother. Action figures win. Mm. My kid, we'll probably never get toys of them. No, we will. We will. I mean, how many shooters are we going to get first? And then we'll maybe get a Wade Collins of the gear. <laughs> um, I'm going to wager Wade is not likely to see a classified figure, my boy. I don't know why yeah, it's not going to happen. Too far I don't think Hasbro necessarily want anything to do with the Vietnam War, something tells me. No, I I, I, I think you're 100% right. I'm being a shit. <laughs> well, it's make your um, own customs. Make your own customs. Come on. But uh, guys, yeah, four and a half uh, Yojo colors for me or four and a half donut dollies for me on this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I dig it. I think it's a great comic book. I really enjoy reading it. Um, is it... Fair to say the reason I'm not giving it five is because I kind of want more. <laughs> and then I'm disappointed by the <laughs> issues. Like I need more. I need more. Like I want more of this. And then it's not that. Like, and I hate to be like so stereotypical G.I. Joe fan of this time. But I remember when this comic book came out, you know, the internet was like, oh my word, this is amazing. This is like return to form for G.I. Joe is the best story ever. I hope they keep this up next episode. Ah, the fuck this book, man. This book sucks. Yeah, it's, it's so shitty. Ah, they, they're virtue signaling. Ah, what kinds of crap? So, yeah, that's my only Shocking. issue with it. It's like, I want there to be more, and what comes afterwards is not more. It's not and more. And then I realize I've had it all already, technically. Yeah. I'm rereading it again on the show. So, four exactly. Out of five, Next episode, we're back to cartoons, boys. What? Cartoons? What? Moving episode, comics? Please. 20 oh. questions with Hector Ramirez. Ramirez! Whoa! Yeah, That's crazy. We will be back in two short weeks, guys. I hope you enjoyed hanging out with us. Thank you to everyone in the chats. I see we have about 31 people. Uh, wow! Oh, 31 Amazing. people on YouTube and three Hell people yeah. on Facebook. That's incredible stuff. I'm not your Facebook! Yes, you are. Thank you for joining us for an excellent episode about me in the past. I'm so cool and amazing. Yes, I am. No, I purposely didn't bring Storm Shadow out for exactly that. I think I should have. So that I could do the voice. You're right. My voice is better than yours. Voice of Storm Shadow. And I know we're kind of uh, we're entering the thought hour and a, and three quarters territory, and I've already Whoa. talked about some new shit. But like, I got to clear this. I got to clear this off my ledger. Because oh, it's I, more new stuff. I love it. I don't want to speak about it anymore. I want to throw this into my cupboard and make it disappear. But I got another. Oh God! You got uh, another McFarlane. McFarlane. Tell us more. Oh goodness! I got Can't the amp suit because it's it's it was going for nothing. Um, though, okay. Backstory, backstory. Before backstory the time. JB Hi-Fi uh, McFarlane fire sale, I found this on Facebook Marketplace from a private seller. It had been opened already and it was going for cheap. 
not quite as cheap as the sales price. So I'm kicking myself for not waiting. I'm also kicking myself for not inspecting the photographs a little bit more closely. Not that he had many photographs, but um, there's a little piece broken off in the back. Uh, yeah, there oh, should the be a chemist. Yeah. Uh, not an ammo drum, but like there's another, I don't know, maybe it's a hydraulic canister or something. Anyways, minor nitpick, I guess. But it just, it reminds me that like I take this shit way too seriously. Like the seller took this out of its packaging, probably didn't even notice the break or the QC. Like I believe him when he tells me, oh, I didn't, I didn't see that. He took some pictures and then sent it to me. Um, and I just, I just, I guess I just, as I say, I take these details way too seriously and I need to chill out. I think you paid money for it. And I think you're allowed to be that shit about it. He did offer to take it back. He was like, do you want to return it? I honestly didn't see that. And I was like, oh, you know what? No. I mean, it'll cost us as much as the thing, as much as I paid for the thing in terms of shipping anyway. So I'll live with it. But to, to dry my eyes, um, he included a bonus. I guess he's just trying to get rid of all of this Avatar stuff. Natiri. <laughs> and this is Natiri. just an example of what McFarlane action figures are up to now because they are they're very good yeah. very they're, well concealed they, oh, articulation that, that awesome master chief from mcfarlane that is wow yeah she's great man got a blue skin zoe soldana woohoo nice um, uh, uh gi gary just to remind you that you did get a snake eyes with the third nipple at once <laughs> <laughs> I seem to have found some dog sellers in recent history. Thanks for reminding me, Gary. Is the APU a cool toy, Steve? Is it fun? To Is it a good with? toy? Otherwise, Is it, does it feel like it's gonna break? Because I'm too scared of playing with with the ones that I bought. It, it the joints that need to have ratchets do, and they ratchet very securely. But yeah, McFarlane is oh nerve wracking stuff. Like, you always feel like a joint is going to shear off and then you'll be like, oh, well, back in the box. Never see you again. Because, um, yeah, it's it needs a lot of articulation and it always has this kind of chalky plastic quality, which you feel will tear. And, yes, I have actually had a break. My crab suit canopy, like the little one, the sort of the in-universe canopy, not the kind of the big one that allows access practically. But yeah, it's got a sort of secondary canopy, which I'd never really opened, never needed to, because to get a figure in and out, you're going to use the the big canopy, mm. the um, you know, the toy canopy. But I wanted to display it with the hatch open and opened it once. It flexed ever so slightly beyond the point that it should flex and snapped the hinges. They these thin little translucent hinges, and I'm like, Fork. like that is just made to explode self-destruct come on i'm sorry man i guess come you know they, they concentrate the hardiness on the joints that need to have it you know everything that is like an articulation point for a mech is this kind of really hard ratchet nothing mm -hmm. loose and the plastic feels thick you know the wall thicknesses and the tolerances are there but then every now and then they're just details that mcfarlane's kind of 
gone over the deep end in terms of like let's make this movie accurate and let's have these fine little greeblies and like make everything very flush and as i say one-to-one with the the actual model from the film um Mm. and it just lets down the side like no ways no ways is a child meant to play with this no big child (laughs) no but that's the issue i had with the mattel one because i mean i broke the leg about 30 minutes you know after taking it out of the box and i didn't do anything crazy i i literally supported the joint i moved it and i went and it was like and and you say to yourself this is natural selection this is like i i, I, I can't done. feel bad i can't feel Did bad I about this break i can't <laughs> feel bad about this break because no but paul did you feel remorseful at the time i'm gonna guess not no matter how much you paid for the thing it was destined I, to break you cannot I a second you cannot one. play with it <laughs> wow i bought one on friday at rage and then i bought the second one when i got back there on saturday morning ouch yeah wild yeah okay so you did feel like i need to make this right hmm. yeah i needed I to, fix, to fix this because i was like pissed off i was like i can't even stand it like i can't like I, like jokes aside i can't stand it like it couldn't stand it broken i can't stand it. I can't stand it well you <laughs> asked me about the apu in a sort of a suspension of disbelief sense like you, you asked me about the toy specifics sure but i'm gonna say that as a design I don't like it. I never did. The weird legs, the weird feet. I mean, I know this is probably mechanically very correct because they it's needed to like make these human. things look like they would, yeah, look like a, like something from the real world, but also look like something that could conceivably work. This mm-hmm. isn't cell animation. This isn't a, a giant mecha where you could have shapes and weight that didn't make practical sense. This thing needed mm-hmm. to look good occupying frame space with actual flesh and blood actors so it looks practical enough to exist but design wise yeah man we got some gi joe logic here big glass canopy Mm. interesting Mm. no protection like they could have had a fully 3d environment projected for the driver like that's the technology of the avatar world but Mm. instead they went with this so you could see your villain Miles Quaritch, you know, nice and prominent in the cockpit, in doing Huey. battle with the Navi. Huey robot. Oh, ah, no. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, I don't what want to kill you anymore. Do? Let's just oh. make six. <laughs> Revet- <laughs> reveting, <laughs> reveting. Oh. <laughs> I mean, jeez, dude. Wow. Ah, made you look. Oh. <laughs> I've got a very, very, very nude blue figure. Natiri is... As I say, um, yeah, she's wearing rags, man, loincloth. Um, yeah, so I never really liked the APU at all. Um, and this experience doesn't really make me like it anymore. But we are on the verge of two hours. It's been wonderful hanging out with you all. Thank you, everyone who joined Likewise. us live. Thank uh, you for everyone great. checking us out on the rewatch or re listen. Drop down to the comment yeah. section on the YouTube video and let us know your thoughts on these two issues. Or if you want to write us an email, we are a real South African hero at gmail.com. Bam, bam, bam. And also, what's up, Vincent396, on your riding mower? Sounds like an awesome time. Cool. I to let you know. Like He's got a mech of his own. This <laughs> is crazy. So, okay, so this episode, I discovered people listen to us in the bathtub, and they listen to us on top of their, their electric lawnmower. Machinery. I don't know if... 
It's probably oh, a petrol lawnmower, but yeah, the ride-ons. You can enjoy G.I. Joeberg wherever you are. And you can also enjoy bonus extras on our Patreon. Like all of, uh, these wonderful people. Paul Lopesha, thank you to our patron tribe. I also drop a weekly vlog if you are part of the YouTube membership thing. So yeah, they're, they're sort of overlapping and different perks to, to each platform. So if you want to give us dollars on one, you'll get some things. If you want to give us some dollars on the other, you get some things. Or if you want to give us some likes, I'll accept that too. All goes I like to likes. a show because yeah, StreamYard yeah, is yeah. not free, damn it. <laughs> oh my goodness. True, true, true. But true. Um, jokes aside, thank you very much to the guys that do support us. It is super awesome of you. Uh, we do have some merch. Uh, the patrons, you guys get a discount code. If you haven't got your discount code, just DM me. I can get it to you if you want to buy some merch. Um, mm. Yay, oh, there it is. Yay, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not GI Joe it's merch. It. It's like GI Joe merch. It's inspired by G.I. Joe. Yes. Similar, but not the same. Yes. So, uh, mm. awesome. Yeah, you mm. get a cool yeah, 8-bit avatars marching across your t-shirt. Any new merch Troy. Troy, I am working on it. I'm having trouble actually uploading some new merch to the to that site. But Stop yeah, having trouble. Figure that out. When there is stuff, I'll let you guys know. Get out of the way on the double. Come on. For the patrons, I should have some tunes up soon and yeah, some insights on some things. Uh, well, last two weeks have been a bit of a rush. I can't believe how quickly everything went. So. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. I mean, if this episode's done too now, uh, 296. 97. Seven ninety-seven. Oh, wow. We're getting up there. Two ninety-eight will once again, as I say, be a cartoon episode. We will cover Cartoons. twenty questions with Hector Ramirez and Hell Renegades. Something for Renegades. Something That's from still Renegades. going. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, what is the episode? I, I, I really don't know. I have no idea. I think I think I think we should end the episode uh, and uh, talk about that afterwards. Yeah, uh, join us next time to discover what 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 episode we'll be listening to. No, come on. Let's do the, everyone so I, a favor. I'm sure this is very, this is very entertaining for everyone. <laughs> they love our administrative processes, Rob. It's so wow. that people can watch. People are, ask us, guys. They want to know. They want to know. Okay. I think. Well, if they had watched the like last it. episode where we watch cartoons, okay. it's pretty easy to figure out what the next one will be. Okay, here it is. Thank you, bastards. <laughs> I had to. I've got to host the show, and I got. I can't check. I'm literally on my phone right now. I'm watching on my phone. If I have to push I'm anything on you, I will leave the podcast. Tears. <laughs> Listen to this point. Thank you. We are going to cover episode ten of Renegades, entitled "Firefight." Sounds exciting. Wow. Check you in two weeks where we will be live, public, and free on YouTube. And if it's the enjoy. future, you enjoy the next episode whenever you like because it's already recorded. Berg. Berg.
You like that, don't you?